0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Welcome, one and all, to the Storybox Podcast, the place to be if you are a lover of stories. My name is Joe Phantom, former real estate agent now living my purpose, sharing amazing stories from people all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Oh boy, have I got an episode for you all today. Back in 2016, my friends, I got into a sport called CrossFit. And the reason why I got into the sport in the first place was because I watched a documentary called The Fittest on Earth. And on that documentary featured a number of athletes that after I watched the documentary, I thought to myself, I need to actually speak to these people one day. And I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would ever have the opportunity to do such a thing. One of those people on the documentary was none other than rich froning who is my guest today now for those of you who don't know who the awesome rich froning is he's a professional crossfit athlete that has won the title of fittest man on earth four times with his places winning first in 2011 uh, 2012 2013 and 2014 in the games and he's also appeared in crossfit mayhem freedom which is his own crossfit affiliate gym Uh, in 2015, 2016, 2018, and 2019. And he also led CrossFit Mayhem Freedom to their first place finish in the team category in the CrossFit Games. He's not only been successful in the sport, he's also been a pioneer in making a living off the sport of CrossFit, one of the very first people to actually do that. Uh, He's won more than a million dollars in prize money from the Games alone, uh, just the four times that he's won. And he's accumulated significant sponsorships from brands like Reebok, Oakley, Rogue Fitness. He's got a book out as well. He's also had a movie made about him. He's got so many things that have happened for him because of uh, his achievements and he owes it really. And you're gonna hear his real humility to this. Um, he's a man of faith and he really, really believes in, in what, he, um, what he preaches at the same time. So I know you guys are gonna get a lot out of his story. It's very inspiring, very challenging. And in many ways, it's very, very motivating. And I got up at 3 a.m. in the morning for this one. I just needed to speak to him. Like he was one of the very first uh, people that I put down on on my list of of people to speak to. And he did not disappoint. Honestly, I have to say that. He's very uh, down to earth. Um, He's just an all around great guy. And I appreciate Rich and your time for for making it for someone like myself and and for really uh, making a difference in the world as well. So you guys, if you do get something out of this episode, please do share it around to your friends and family members uh, that might need to hear Rich's story or, or they do know him and they do like him. I guarantee you this interview is nothing that you've ever heard before. Um, it's new stuff <laughs> and it's great content. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, Please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts as well or iTunes, whatever's easier for you. You can spend 30 seconds doing that. And it really goes a long way to building the Storybox community so we can really change more lives uh, with amazing stories like Rich uh, Froning's. So you guys know what time it is. I'm going to be quiet now because I think I've said enough. So let's dive into the Storybox and hear Rich Froning's story.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate you getting up uh, nice and early, uh, your time local three thirty a.m. So, oh, it's an absolute honor, man.
1: Really, I, I don't care what time of, time of day it was. I just <laughs> needed to speak to you. Um, and awesome. That's, that's, that's the truth of it. Uh, because, like I said to you before, we started. You've been a real inspiration to me. Um, everything you're about. Um, and what you've actually achieved in your life over the years, which is pretty incredible. And the way you go do it, your attitude towards it. So just want to honor you and, and say, thank you for that. Um, I appreciate it, man. Yeah.
2: Just uh, like to work out really if, if being <laughs> completely honest,
1: but it's more the, the mentality that people, I guess, see. And then I guess hearing your interview with Lewis Howes as well. And what you've, been through too, and your mindset through it all. I think yeah. that's, that's a testament. Um, but before we dive into everything that you've done, apart from just working out, I have one yeah. question yeah. 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 i asking people, which is, what does success look like to you?
2: Oh, man. Uh, really, to me, honestly, success to me, um, if we look in 20, 30 years, um, if my kids say, I have a good father uh, or he's been a good dad. That's, that's success to me. You know um, the, you know, what I'm doing for a profession, you know, I really get, I love what I get to do. Uh, I enjoy working out. I enjoy competing um, all the people that we have around and um, part of the team. But if we're being completely honest, all that um, can go away at any moment. Um, And I just want my kids to, to think that I was a good man and, you know, my faith is a huge part of who I am. And so, um, you know, we're, we're actually doing a little bit of a study on David and he was known as a man after God's own heart. And so, uh, that's what I want people to say about me and what I want my kids to say about me. Cause really, honestly, all that really matters to me is what my kids and my wife think of me. Um, so that's success to me
1: where did this idea of success come from for you Has it been sort of like this gradual thing over time or was there like a catalyst moment somewhere?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, before I had kids, I didn't really care what my kids thought about me because I didn't have any. So, um, you know, it's just been, I, something my whole life has kind of, I guess, uh, led me to, I guess the career I'm in from the way I was raised from my parents. Just my parents are the two of the hardest working people I've ever met. Um, having a ton of, you know, first cousins that were super competitive, uh, to, you know, having a high school baseball coach that was a, an incredible, just motivator. And, um, I guess, challenger, uh, being a firefighter for years and then really just finding CrossFit, not necessarily on a whim, um, but just kind of, you know, finding it at the right time. Uh, it was just kind of the perfect storm of every, everything all coming together. Everybody wants to say, Hey, what's the what's the one thing that, you know, set you apart. And, uh, I can't really, can't really nail down one thing. It's kind of a perfect storm. And then, you know, like I said, my faith is a huge part of who I am and why I do what I do. And without that failure in 2010 of falling off the rope, I wouldn't, wouldn't be in the position I'm in in any way, shape or form, just because, uh, it really made me recenter and refocus on, on who I was and, and, uh, what that actually meant to me and, and having a real, um, a real faith instead of more of a religion, I guess. Mm.
1: I want to dive into the faith aspect uh, for a moment because I myself am a man of faith, brought up in a Christian home all my life. Yeah. Um, I made a testament of faith when I was five years old and reaffirmed that, that testament when I was 10. Uh, so I know I've grown up with the, the essence of faith and what that actually mm-hmm. means and the stories from the Bible uh, learning from Christ's life and even David's life too. Funny, funny story. We're actually my mum and I were having a conversation about David the other day. Yeah, just about how David was a man after God's own heart. And yep. you look at I guess David's mindset facing Goliath and, and it's like facing the giants in your life. It's like you've you've done that, but with sport, with with CrossFit, like. And um, I want to want to ask you, Rich, is have you always been brought up in a Christian household or where did this faith come from for you?
2: Yeah, for me, you know, honestly, um, I was brought up in a Christian home. My, my mom's side, uh, my, my grandmother, Violet, she was, has a direct line to God. I'm pretty sure she talks to him on a regular basis. Um, uh, she's incredible. Um, both actually both grandparents, um, very Christian, very, um, faith, faith driven. Um, so my parents were the same way. My mom, you know, we went to church every Sunday. Um, but for me growing up, um, it was more of something I had to do. Um, you know, I I read the Bible and I knew all the stories, but for me it was more of this like I did it because I felt like if I didn't, I was gonna be punished, uh, either from my parents or from God. You know, I had this just, you know, God sits up on this throne and judges us and and um almost just fear that this is what i have to do type thing and um you know i i i feel like when i when i was 13 i had, had christ in my life and asked him you know to come in my heart and was saved but it's still this kind of like a uh, more religion more rules and it wasn't my parents fault or grandparents fault it was just i think this this how i had interpreted it and so, in '10, uh, when I, you know, was competing at the games and had kind of um, found this thing that gave me purpose in CrossFit, and was pretty good at it, and people were starting to recognize me through that, and coming so close to winning the games, and then having that failure—a pretty public failure—of uh, I say losing the games and and getting second. A lot of people were like. You you know, you got second, nothing to, to be ashamed of. But it was a dark place for me and a hard place, hard thing for me to handle because I'd put so much of my self-worth in who I was in CrossFit my performance. And, you know, there's you know, you can attach that to anything in the world. You know, they if anytime you're gonna put yourself or put your worth in something worldly, it's always gonna let you down. And so uh for me, it was a a real eye opener and luckily I had some really group of people, really good group of people around that, you know, asked me some tough questions and, and, you know, had, uh, had this accountability of, Hey, you know, I had a buddy that said, Hey, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And simple question. And I was like, yeah, of course. Um, and then I started thinking about it and I was like, man, what, uh, what if I, would I, you know, like, am I living how Christ has called me to live? And so it was really a catalyst for me to, uh, really look at what faith meant to me and, and, Um, Was it religion? Was it all these rules? And what did Jesus teach? And like I said, I'd read the stories when I'd skipped around the Bible when I needed something, um, but never really, Hey God, what, what am I supposed to do? What do you need from me? Um, And really having a relationship. And so that's what I, you you know, you can attach whatever you want or whatever definition, but to me, religion is uh, rules and regulations and how you're supposed to, you know, the things you're supposed to do versus faith. And for me, faith is, uh, having a relationship with Christ and a relationship with God. And Hey, you know, talking to God, not necessarily you know, like I, I do one formal prayer, I guess you could say every night before I go to bed, but I try to have an open line of communication throughout the day. And Hey, God, thank you for this, you know? Um, or Hey, what am I supposed to do here? And just kind of listening. And, um, you know, I've never heard an audible, you should do this, um, from God, but I feel that nudge tug in my heart where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do. And I know what's right and wrong. And so for me, that faith was to like, or was to dive back in and, and read what Jesus said and what D- Jesus preached. And, um, so that was huge for me in 2011. So I actually, so I was baptized when I was three months old, I guess, because I was born in, born Catholic. Um, mm. uh, but when I started reading the Bible, uh, I saw that Jesus was <laughs> when he was in his thirties. And so mm-hmm. I decided at that time, so that was in 2011. Um, so I was 24 at the time and was baptized again because I wanted to make that decision. Um, I felt mm-hmm. like the decision had been made for me when I was young to be baptized and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think, um, but I wanted to make that decision and I wanted to be the one that, you know, committed my life to Christ. And, and, uh, so, and I, you know, people want to say, well, are you saying just because? Um, you committed your life to Christ, you started winning the CrossFit games. And I wouldn't say that God stepped in or intervened, but it has allowed me to compete from a different place that I know my worth isn't in who I am in CrossFit. My worth is in who I am in Christ. And so, yeah, I'd say it's definitely helped me with how I compete. You know, I don't get, you know, I, obviously I'm still a competitor and I still hate losing, um, but I know, you know, it's a, I can separate myself from that if I need to. It's tough at times, you know, it's not something. Every day, it's a constant battle. You know, I can say, sit here and say, "Hey, you know, I never once put my worth in CrossFit." After that, and that would be a lie. Um, It's it's hard, and it's a it's a battle every day. But you know, leaning on that faith and and listening to to where I'm being pulled or tugged uh, has helped for sure.
1: Mm. I have um, quite a few questions from that. Um, I appreciate you sharing. I I was brought up in a very similar. You know, very structured, very regimented. You went to church on Sunday. It was kind of like you were spoon-fed everything. Yep. That so you yep. weren't free to sort of make your own decisions. Own decisions. Yep. And I was just like very lost in a way. And so a couple of years ago, I, I made the decision to uproot myself and find really okay, well, who is God? Who yep. is he, where does he have a place in my life? Does he have a place in my life? And I ended up finding that for myself and Mm -hmm. ended up realizing that he is real and it's not a religion. It's a relationship. And that relationship is how it's my choice, how I want to grow that or how I want to just leave it as it is. And because God gave us ultimately free will to choose. And exactly. You know, I've always thought, you know, growing up, I was always taught the same thing, you know, God's on, when he's thrown judging us so there's that fear associated with doing something wrong and yep. but that's not who God is at all nope. I mean, he's a righteous judge and righteousness doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to reprimand you or brand you and you're going to be you know like in prison or in a dungeon that's our, our choice to put ourselves there for some yep. for some reason they've they've thought that's the case like when we have a failure, but here's the amazing thing in failure. God has allowed us to learn one of life's most greatest lessons, which is humility, which is right. knowing that we are human still. He created us for yep. a high purpose, but to know that <clears throat> too far above our britches, that he can just bring us back to a bring us right back down. Yeah. And yep. hey, we, we can't do it alone. We need, you in our life to help us, to give us strength. And mm-hmm. you mentioned something there was pretty interesting, which is purpose, which I'll get to in a moment. But what I want to ask you, Rich, is has your faith ever been tested?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, my faith is tested on a daily basis. Um, we have, I don't know, you see my hat's into the storm and it's kind of our Froning Farms motto. Um, but for me, you know, we're doing this, we do a podcast called into the storm as well. That's Hmm. all biblical based. And right now we're studying, uh, David. And so there's so many parallels in my life. I feel like I, I, David, uh, resonates with me just very well. I, for some reason, I'm not sure, not necessarily the David and Goliath stuff. I haven't even moved past that. Um, we're kind of to the part where David and Saul are going back and forth, but just The fact that, you know, David had so many struggles and was so real, um, and so many storms that he weathered, you know, there's where, like I said, multiple times, Saul tried to kill him. You know, David had only to this point done everything that Saul had asked and and killed thousands and 10,000s. There's a whole, um, story in the Bible where, you know, the women are saying David or Saul has killed his thousands and David his 10,000s. And so Saul is just so fixated and so, um, you know, just doesn't want people to be uh, jealous of David really. And so there's just so many things. David is, is done everything right, but he's been tried to, he's been almost killed four times by Saul's spear. Uh, he's been given one of Saul's daughters only to be taken away. He, Saul has put him in the front lines uh, to have him killed essentially. And David just keeps surviving. And so David is a man after God's own heart. I say that to say, there's so many struggles that we go through on a daily basis and so much adversity and, uh, really first world problems, but how many times on, if you draw more close to God or near to God in those times, you come out better on that adversity. The only time there's any real growth is during an adversity or during, um, you know, those storms you I'm working on, honestly, because it's so easy to draw near to God during those problems that even when things are good, I want to still be uh, a guy after, or a man after God's own heart. Like I want to still be close to God, even when it's easy, you know, when it's easy, you kind of let your, your relationship lacks a little bit. Cause you don't, Think you need him as much, you know. You think you're, oh, all right. Well, everything, or you just kind of forget about it. You're like everything's good, but when things are bad, that's when you ask for God and when you need His help. So, um, it's like I said, easier to be closer to God in those moments um, and say the right things. But if you're actually acting it out in those um, times of adversity, that's that's who I want to be, and that's what I want to be. Is is um, not just talk it out, but actually live it out if that makes sense
1: it, it does and i appreciate you sharing that like the example of david i think is probably one of the best examples you can give because i also like how you know david did fail especially when he killed
2: um, all the time yeah uriah. Then, yeah
1: yeah uriah then he's i think that period of time he's sitting on and he's praying He's yeah. not eating. He's just fasting and praying. And then when the child ends up dying, spoiler alert for those who don't know. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, he gets back up and he just goes about his, his normal day. Right. And I've always thought about that, that moment. Like he's in, he's in literally despair. He, he, he knows what he wants. He wants the child to live and God to, to uh, spare the child. But really, what I, I think that ultimately for him, he was his faith right there. even in, even in the midst of, of that despair, he was still believing that yep. God, God's will was going to be done, regardless. And it's,
2: God's it's so easy written. so easy for us to think that we know best. Um, and if I was God, it would not, it would not be good. Um, you know, he knows way more. And, and like I said, David, there's so many parallels to my life Patience, uh, David, you know, he was basically anointed King when he was a boy and he had multiple opportunities to kill Saul and never did because it wasn't God's time. And he waited for God. It's just, it's, the whole story is pretty incredible that, you know, as many times as Saul tried to kill him, David didn't do it, and as many times as David had the opportunity to kill Saul, he didn't do it. And so, there's so much that you can learn. Humble. I mean, David's probably one of the most humble people in the Bible, uh, but he had the same shortcomings that all of us have, and and the same struggles, and he was human. But like, like I keep saying, I guess is the the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. You know, like I speak from thinking about um, you know my three kids and how amazing they are. And all, how all three of them are adopted. I, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say, you know, if I would, if you were told me I had three adopted kids, I don't know what I would have told you or how I would have felt about that. Um, you know, I thought me and Hillary, when we first talked about having a family, we would have three biological tr- children and then adopt one. And so when God was like, no, this is, this is not the plan I have for you. Uh, it was hard, you know. It was a patience thing, and to, but now to think back and think how incredible, you know, if if my plan would have worked, I wouldn't have the three amazing kids that I have now, um, and so I just it's it's just incredible to think that you know for us it was just such a dark time um, going through that storm and going through that adversity, and um, you know, thinking that we knew what was best for our life. Uh, and then just the incredible stories of how we had our three, you know, I won't go down those until, unless you want to talk about them later, but just, uh, each and each one of them has their own incredible story of adversity and, and how, you know, at the time you're just not ready for it. But when you come through it on the other side, you're like, man, that's incredible. And i my faith grew, and our relationship with even me and my wife uh, grew. And then now we have these incredible kids, and it's just—it's uh, hard for me to, you know, when people want to argue if there's a God or not. Um, I—I I, can't—I can't even entertain the thought of it not there not being a God. You know, mm-hmm. when when I see those three kids and how amazing their story is, without just anything else in my life, if I was just to look at that, I'm like, yeah, there's a God.
1: Yeah, I mean seriously, man. Like, I I can't I can't resonate or relate to the kids aspect, but I can relate mm-hmm. to the fact that I I shouldn't actually be here talking no, really. for three times, man. Three times in my life, and when people say to me, "Oh, there is no God," I'm like, "Shut up!" Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously, there is, and I, I don't care what you want to believe like that's your prerogative but for me I 100% know because without him I wouldn't be alive and they say oh it's it's the doctors no 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 right doctors said I was gonna die really and there was uh three miracles so like if you don't believe in miracles I'm a living proof (laughs) miracle
2: right yeah seriously
1: like I've got crazy stories like insane and i just look back on my life and i think well i'm blessed to be here so when we talk about real faith and strengthening your faith then i just share my story and say if i can do it then you can too like right the only thing that's stopping you from doing it is you yep and exactly and this and yeah (laughs) which is like one of the, the the most difficult things to actually Um, strengthen as well, strengthen the mind, because, you know, the the devil is very good at playing tricks on you.
2: The mind is always
1: desperately wicked.
2: (laughs) Yep. Yeah, exactly. The body, yep. Yep. The flesh, flesh is weak.
1: Hmm. 100%, man. So what I want to ask you is I mentioned earlier purpose and finding your purpose. What did you believe your purpose was growing up?
2: Did you know what it was or? Oh man. Um, you know, I, I, I knew uh, that I, I needed to compete in something, whatever that was. Like I just had, this is who I am. Uh, um, you know, so compete is definitely my nature. Um, I'm protective. Uh, I'm part of a big family. So family was very uh, high up on the the pr- priority Um, level you know, I so I went through when I was growing up, I wanted to be a professional athlete. Baseball was kind of my thing, so that's that's where I wanted to go. And then my fallback was uh being a firefighter. You know, I had uncles that were firefighters, and so service is definitely in my nature, and um, either military or like I said, fire. And so for me, it it did turn into you know, I played a little bit of college baseball, decided college baseball wasn't where I wanted to be, and then uh, the fire department came from there. So, Mm. um, yeah, so I, I I've always, I guess, kind of lived in what I thought I was supposed to do. Um, I've never really had, I guess, a plan plan for my life. It was just kind of like, all right, God, show me the next thing you want me to do. And even when I was younger, like I said, even with that kind of religious, um, mindset, it was still, all right, God, where do you want me to go? And I'll try to do, um, what you're calling me to do. So yeah, I feel like he just always kind of showed me what the next step was and I was kind of open to it and uh, just kind of stepped into the next role or uh, position or purpose that he had for me at the time.
1: Do you have any regrets at all in your life?
2: Oh yeah. Heck yeah. Um, you know, there's multiple things that I wish I could go back and change, but I wouldn't go back and change if that makes sense. Cause I wouldn't be who I am and wouldn't have learned from those things or moved forward from those things. Um, you know, one big one is playing college baseball. I wish I would have stuck with it, and ended up winning a national championship the year that I was there. So you know, have a college national championship ring would have been nice, but wouldn't have met my wife, wouldn't have my kids, wouldn't be a you know doing what I'm doing now. So um, I can't can't say that I would go back and change that. I just there's things I definitely regret, uh, but it wouldn't change any of them. What
1: would you say has been the biggest risk that you've ever taken?
2: Oh man. Uh, I'm a little bit of adrenaline junkie. So you gotta be careful when we say those, you know, like I've, I've ridden a couple bulls, uh, jumped out of an airplane a couple times. We built a street luge out of, um, wood and skateboard trucks when I was a kid went down the mountain that we live on. Uh, but aside from those things, uh, physical risks, um, I don't know, I guess, uh, you know, kind of stepping out, owning our own business with mayhem has been a big thing. Starting the farm has uh, been a big risk. Honestly, you know, having kids, having kids is a risk. You know, you're—I've always heard the term that you basically your heart is outside your chest—and now I, I understand that. You know, like uh, the love I have for those kids, and if anything happened to them, would be you know devastating. So, uh, but to have, I guess, be willing to to take that step and have the joy of how incredible they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, uh, I can't really, it's hard to put into words and you have kids. And for me, uh, it, it helped me, uh, understand my faith a lot more as well. You know, the, the term unconditional love and thinking about God in that, that way. Um, I, there's nothing that you, I could love more on this planet than those kids and, mm-hmm you know, they could do the meanest, rottenest thing ever, but turn around and say, I love you, dad. And it's, it's gone. So God loves us more than that. And so for me, that was hard to grasp, I guess, until I had kids. And now I completely understand it.
1: Mm. One question I've always wanted to ask you, Rich, is because is basically you've got this persona of being super fit. And for a lot of people, they would see that as quite being a man. So one of the questions yeah. that I have for you is what do you believe
2: being a real man is? Shoot, That's a, that's a tough one, you know, especially in today's culture. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think it's, um, I, I think of like things a man should be, I guess, um, like a protector is definitely one, um, you know, somebody that is reliable, um, you know, Jim, who does our man mindset stuff, it says basically, you know you think of a chair like a well built chair um it's an un un unforeseen conclusion that you, that chair is gonna be stable when you sit on it, and that's that's what I think a man should be and mm. um I think that's what people should be, really, but um us as men, i there's such a I, we have a, a a crisis i think in in the world. Um, you know, see all the stuff going on here in the U.S. i S I'm not sure, um, on the news, but it's just people, um, people can't talk anymore without being offended yeah. and we can't have discussions and disagree, you know, really it's, um, you know, it's okay to disagree and it's okay to, um, and have discussions mm-hmm without being offended and I think that that's part of being a man but it's also part of being just a human being is hey we're not going to agree on things but we can move past and maybe we can find some type of middle ground between us and and make something work and uh, it's just tough you know like um it's uh it's kind of a, a crazy crazy spiral we're we're in right now so um I think that's uh the best way is to just be an example and for us, you know, talking about faith, you know, men, men after God's own heart and and being um, like Christ, I guess. And so people see that and, you know, you don't necessarily even have to tell everybody all the time, but just be that person. So they're asked, Hey, what, what's different about that person? So mm. you can kind of open those conversations, open those lines of conversation.
1: It's kind of like we're walking on eggshells a lot,
2: uh-huh. know,
1: which is very frustrating, especially like, if you do say something that somebody gets offended by, then you can be sued for all your worth. And then mm-hmm. the person would actually win. You got nothing. You got no leg to stand on. You know, yep. it's, it's sort of ridiculous how the world cancel is, culture. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty stupid if you ask me, but that's, <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets good.
2: Um, I know. That's the, the scary part is you got to make sure that whatever you say is, um, is, I guess, polished and and doesn't offend anybody.
1: I mean, even, even CrossFit has become more, it's changed a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think in recent times, it's kind of gotten worse in a way. Like it's not what it used to be. I mean, my favorite years were the years you were part of it and then 2016 and 2017. And then after that, yeah. it's sort of gone like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, that's my personal opinion.
2: <laughs> I don't
1: know how I'd you'd say speak. there's
2: several, pe- several people that agree with you on that. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, uh, it's just, it, it, it's moving, I guess now, hopefully we'll see with the new changes at the top that, um, it'll move back to some of that stuff that uh, all of us enjoyed for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, more professionalism is really what it needs, but also still have that, you know, Bit of fun to it,
1: yeah. I know, I know you got to be careful with, um, yeah, tiptoeing, yeah, <laughs> tiptoe. Tip, but what what I do want to ask you, Rich, is what would you say is your greatest achievement?
2: Oh man, um, yes. I mean, I keep coming back to it, and poor sap, you know, being sappy, but being a dad's pretty incredible. Um, that's something. Like I said, every day is something that I look forward to. And there's days it's, it's a lot like my face. There's days where I'm like, man, I crushed that. That did a really good job. And then there's other days where I'm like, man, I screwed that up. So you basically start from square one every day and it's almost like your uh, fitness rings. If you have an Apple watch, uh, you wake up the next morning and it's back to zero. So you're starting at zero every day and, um, working towards something, you know, that's, uh, um, I, you know, the, winning the games and those types of things. If we're talking about that way, um, I think uh, actually my team championships are way more fun and way more rewarding um, than any of my individual ones, because uh, you're part of something bigger, I guess, you know, and I had a group of people around me that helped me train and, you know, people that were part of the crew um, when I was an individual, but on a team, it's just so much more fun when you can either elevate other people or be elevated by other people. Um, But work together you know I, I grew up on a team sport or playing team sports so uh, for me it's been way more fun and way more rewarding on a team.
1: Mm. And and now you've got CrossFit Mayhem which is on your shirt. Mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible. Yep. Um, yep. What has been the biggest lesson starting CrossFit Mayhem?
2: Oh man having good people and having a good team around you uh, you know not just physically with uh, what we do at, at the games but Uh, people around here um, doing all the behind the scenes and day to day stuff that may not be the, you know, the person in the limelight. Um, Those people are really what makes everything go and uh, kind of, I guess, letting go a little bit and knowing that I can't, uh, you know, spread myself too thin. So having a good team of people around you, um, one that you trust, but um, two that you can also get along with.
1: Mm. I've got a couple more questions for you, Rich, because I know yep. your time is, is very valuable. This one's more of a fun one. Um, yep. What would you say has been the weirdest food combination you've ever tried, good or bad?
2: Oh, oh man. Uh, so when was it, last year? It was last year. I think it was at the Games. So I had made like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then I threw some turkey on there. I don't know why, but it was actually surprisingly delicious. Turkey okay yeah turkey turkey with you know peanut butter and jelly so you get your carbs your fat your protein um trying to get it all in one and uh it's at the games when you're competing it's hard to eat your stomach you just can't you just nerves are always just on high alert so um yeah was good surprisingly delicious
1: so how do you manage that like at the games because you can't really eat too much so how do you manage that like do
2: you eat (sighs) over the years, it's gotten a little easier, I guess. Um, once I've kind of learned, you know, what's, what's easier to consume, but it's fast stuff, you know, protein shakes are big, um, fruit, um, rice, actually, honestly, um, kind of crappy food to be honest, just because I need calories. So, you know, pizza over the years, we would eat some pizza. Um, but yeah, it's just making, trying to make yourself eat even when you don't want to, because you're going to need it eventually. Um, for the last couple of years, I've been doing inter- intermittent fasting and, uh, along with RP strength. And so it's helped a ton, just having somebody to be like, Hey, this is what you need to eat, um, based on what you've done or what you're you know, going to have to do. So that's been great. And that's one thing that I've tried to clean up over the last couple of years is definitely my diet.
1: Would you say pizza is your favorite food?
2: Uh, no, not honestly. Um, uh, I like a good steak. <laughs> um, my favorite food would be an apple pie. Oh. Um yeah, really like a, apple pie. Um, but yeah, good steak, good ribeye or a filet, um, depending on the mood, you know, like ribeye uh tomahawk steak. I don't oh, know. Nice. If, uh bone in rib ribeye, pretty good. Well done, medium rare. Uh medium rare, you know, like a little bit crispy on the edges with the fat, but the the center a little bit um pinkish red
1: Do you like, um, wagyu
2: beef. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, we, uh, I've, I've had a couple wagyu steaks. I'm um, in a company over here as far as beef goes. Um, E3, they have some incredible meat, mm. incredible steaks.
1: When you come to Sydney, I'll treat you to one of my favorite wagyu beef places. You know, Mr. Wagyu, like, oh, uh, okay.
2: All it, right.
1: It melts in your mouth because I'm not big on beef, but right. the, the beef that he has, uh, it's incredible, insanely good. Like, I'm in. It melts like butter, but it's like succulent. Anyway, I'm getting off track and making me hungry. Heck, um, no,
2: Yeah, I know. It's making me, i <laughs> past my fast window. Got podcasts. That's why I got to shake here because I'm like, man, got to get something.
1: But, what I want to ask you, Rich, is my last three questions for you. Yep. This is my legacy question that I love asking people at the end. You've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Then ask me, mm-hmm. how to do it all. we'll just call it magic or. Yeah. <laughs> and it's right. you on your 100th birthday, what do you want the film to say and to show about your life?
2: Yeah, like I said, uh, kind of broken record, but. Um, uh, definitely the family side of it. Um, the man after God's own heart. Uh, I always joke that, you know, anytime I go to a funeral, I hate funerals and I've had some people close to me that passed away either too young or I've been to way too many funerals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't want it to be sad. I want, uh, I almost want a roast of just the, the funny things or the annoying things or whatever it was. Um, uh, I, w- I would rather my, my funeral be some type of celebration. Um uh, one, because I'm definitely going to a better place. That's what I believe. Um, but I don't want people to be sad. I want people to, um, I guess, remember the good things I, with the bad as well. You know, like I said, a roast is, is kind of where I, I'd rather it be. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I just, I always come back to what those three kids think of me. And, and, um, like I said, be a, be a man after God's own heart, be David. Um, not Saul, you know, not somebody that um, was angry or jealous or uh, just callous. You know, I want I want to be remembered as you know, we had fun, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstance was, um, that you know enjoyed life.
1: Mm, I love that man. Uh, this one may be a hard one to to answer, but we'll see how we go. I've left the best. All right. in the past. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, if you could ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Why? And what question would you ask
2: them? Oh, man. I mean, you have to go with if the, the easy answer is Jesus. But <laughs> let's take let's take Jesus out of the equation, because there's so many things that you that I would like to ask Jesus or God. Yeah. Um, man, a living or dead. And what would you ask them? Um. Man, that's a great one. So I, over here, I'm a huge uh, American football fan. My childhood hero is Barry Sanders. Anybody who doesn't know who that is, just YouTube him and you can watch why. Um, One I was a Detroit sports fan growing up and still am. Um, I just want to know like, he retired relatively young? Um, I I think I know the answer why, because the team that he was on is terrible and they wouldn't let him go. But what team would he have liked to have been on and would it have kept him playing? You know, like, I just want to know that for some It's as trivial as that is. And, and, uh, surface level as that is, is, you know, we've been deep into the podcast. I just want, I got to know, you know, as a kid, I was devastated when he retired. Cause he was literally my childhood hero. Mm. Um, so yeah. I mean, and then if you go back to like, Hey, who killed Kennedy would be cool. <laughs> and then, uh, And and I was also a Dale Earnhardt fan, and so when he died, it's like you kind of had a little bit of I don't know, like how did it happen or why did it happen, you know, like that type of deal. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, what I mean, the the easy answer is who killed Kennedy. So, but I don't even know who we would ask that to. So who knows? Exactly. (laughs)
1: Well, I actually asked Kennedy, Kennedy, who who killed you?
2: That's right. I don't don't (laughs) know if you did did see that. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Um, but. I like this asking that question because I either get a profound answer,
2: or right, a, or a surface level like mine. <laughs>
1: simple answer, which is still good as well. Because right, right, both just as good. Sometimes we've got to know, like right, we, we just got to know.
2: Like it's not a got to know, thing. man. You know, and like, yeah. like I said, we've been we've been kind of deep this whole podcast. So mm. um, I figured that was a itch. good good fun but, one. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Uh, this one is um, it may be a hard one as well, but we'll see how we go. What was okay. the first piece of advice you've ever been given?
2: The worst piece of advice, man. Uh, my dad and he said, "Ask. it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. It worked when I was a kid because I did that to him all the time, but not with my wife. It's never better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Mm-hmm. And I try, I've try. i tried to impart that wisdom on other uh, <laughs> younger married Well, actually a buddy of ours, uh, we were all going skydiving and he decided that he was going to tell his wife after, and he was going to ask for forgiveness (laughs) and permission. And his wife tracked his phone to where we were at. And then we didn't even get to jump because (laughs) of the weather. And so it was not a, uh, it was not a good thing. So that is actually not good advice. It's not better to ask for forgiveness than permission in some circumstances, especially in marriage.
1: That is hilarious. I love it. I feel like that's a great way to sort of end that conversation, Rich Froning. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing a little bit of your story. I do. Did, we didn't even touch on really the family story aspect of things and the cross. We can, we can do that
2: again. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to set up another one. And Part my two. wife has a book coming out about adoption, oh. so uh, we'd love love to.
1: That's so good, man. Like, when's it coming
2: out? uh, end of September. So September, I think 28th or 29th. Uh, it's incredible. She, she did an incredible job. She has a incredible heart for adoption and for anybody that's going through it. And so, um, I mean, it's obviously written, written from a women's woman's perspective, uh, Mm. but there's so much, uh, truth and value to it. If, um, any man that's going through it with a wife, Because there's a lot of times I've stuck my foot in my mouth and it would have been a whole lot better to have some type of resource to see how a woman thinks (laughs) or processes some things. Um, This is the best way to get inside a woman's head if you ever want to do that. So um, yeah, but all jokes aside, she did an incredible job and she has an incredible heart for that and uh, others going through that. So yeah, maybe we'll set something up in the next couple of weeks and uh, talk the adoption thing. I'd love,
1: love to do that have, have you both on so we can get into the mind yeah, both be, of you See, I think that'd, that'd be, be such a profound episode um, that'd be great I have so many questions just from that but
2: anyway, oh yeah thank oh, you so yeah. much thank awesome, you awesome man yeah I appreciate it thanks for having for me
1: I don't like this part because it means sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today it is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it'll go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom. And don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time.